Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources in how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Death and dying. You might think this is a weird topic to draw inspiration from, but just stay with me for a sec. In Eastern wisdom traditions, death was always a great teacher an ally to bring us into razor-sharp clarity about how to live our lives today. Yet in our modern Western culture, we rarely think of death. It is repressed and seen as depressing and scary, and we just want to put it out of our minds. And so we push it to another day, to another time, and we miss the great teachings that an awareness of death can bring. I'd like to share a list with you. This is a list compiled by a hospice worker who chronicled the top five regrets of the dying. And here they are. Number one. I wish that I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Number two, I wish that I hadn't worked so hard. Number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Number four, I wish that I'd stayed in touch with my friends. And number five, I wish that I'd let myself be happier. There's your list. It's interesting that the word courage is in two of them. And when we speak of growing your courage through the men's work, this is the type of courage we're speaking about courage to live a life true to yourself, the courage to express your feelings. This list has great wisdom in it for us. Think of it as the last piece of advice one of your dear elders has left for you. Be true to yourself, don't work so hard, express your feelings, stay in touch with your friends, give yourself the gift of happiness today. Of these five regrets that I just listed, which is the one or two that you know you need to do work on right now to not have these regrets in your final days? For me, it's the last two letting myself be happier, and staying in touch with my friends. This last one, keeping in touch with my friends, has been especially challenging for me, but I'm making progress. My stretch on this is to call a friend once per week, just to check in. I invite you to take this list and make an honest assessment of the one or two that you know you are susceptible to, and then do the work to head these off at the pass. Let your elders help you live a life that is not full of regret at the end. I would like to dedicate this episode to a few dear loved ones who have passed. My beloved mother-in-law, Jana Pickering, known to us as Abby, recently passed on August 12th. She was a great teacher in the ways of love. I would also like to dedicate this to two dear friends who passed way too soon, Sean Delmore and Christophe Soule. You men are loved, remembered, and missed every day. This episode is for you. Next, we have the second iteration of the Warrior Dog Council. For those that missed the first one we did in episode 10, This is a segment that we will do every 10 to 12 episodes or so. I will bring on men that I know from the men's work to ask them some relevant questions and to answer any questions that listeners have about healthy masculinity, being a man, and life in general. Today I have on John Wilson and John Schreiner, two men from my first and best men's group in New York City. We called our group the Warrior Dogs and I named this segment after this group. Both of these men are like brothers to me. Enjoy the dialogue. All right, so I am here with John Wilson and John Schreiner for a segment of the Warrior Dog Council. This is something we're going to do, I don't know, every 10 to 15 episodes, and we're looking to grow it into a segment where we take questions from the listeners and then get multiple perspectives. I sat with both of these men in the Warrior Dog I group in New York City. So these are two men that are very, very close friends of mine. So welcome, both of you. John Schreiner, first time on. Welcome. Yeah, I'm a big friend of the pod. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I've never been on one. 
So. Yeah, well, good. It's good to have your voice on here. And John Wilson was the first guest of Basecamp for Men. He has the distinction and forever will have the distinction of being the first guest. So welcome, John. Thanks, man. That's really special. And uh, always good to hear you and speak with you. Glad to be a part of this, man. Awesome, you guys. So I thought a great way to start is what we would normally do in a group, which is just to check in with a high low. You know, it could be a high low from the last, say, two or three weeks. Uh, either one of you can start. Oh, my low is I've been experiencing some back pain, lower back pain, specifically like right above my right hip. It's extremely painful and it's affecting my job because my job is very physical. I don't know what to do about it. I I ordered a new mattress. I was thinking maybe that was the issue because my mattress is kind of old. So I'm updating that. I've never had any major back issues in the past. I've had friends that have had it and now I know how excruciating it could be. But uh, my high would be that this summer, I bought a grill. As you guys know, I love to cook, but I've never grilled before. And so now this whole summer, this past summer, I've been learning all the joys of grilling. And I'm really, really enjoying it a lot. There's something very masculine about grilling meats and vegetables and stuff on a grill outside and feeding your loved ones. So I'm really, really enjoying that a lot. So I'm in with that. Well, you're such a good cook, John. I'm, I'm jealous of your friends that get to eat your food. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a good cook, but I actually love grilling. So yeah, you're going you're gonna to take off with that. So how about you, Wilson? Yeah, I'll start with, uh, with my low. I'll give you two of them because they're kind of happening simultaneously or happened simultaneously. So my water main to my house has broken three times now three times. This third time it was flooding my basement for the past two weeks and I had to constantly be pumping out water and my driveway pavement had to be torn up for a third time. It's been patched, torn, patched, torn. Um, So it's very stressful uh, finally getting that hopefully fixed. We finally cut out a whole section of pipe to just do away with what we think is the bad area of pipe. But having it happened three times uh, over a four-year period has just been excruciatingly stressful. And of course, that comes out sideways. You know, when I'm under that kind of stress financially, just day-to-day, like, when is this going to get fixed? Come on already. Like, why is this the third time this is happening? And, you know, all of that. And then it coincided with a, with a client who you know, had to go to the hospital because she was feeling suicidal and I'd spend the day with her in the hospital. And, and that was, it was just emotionally a tough day. I'm glad I was there. I'm glad I can handle things like that. But, uh, you know, I needed time for myself after that. The whole next day, I was kind of just laying low. The high of the past couple of weeks, and, and there's a couple there too, um, you know, just spending time with my 10-year-old is always a high when I'm, at least when I'm fully present and, and available and doing what he wants to do. Sometimes I want to do what I want to do. Sometimes he wants to do what he wants to do. But, um, you know, I just love spending time with the family and with him. And then I spent uh, last weekend, uh, the iGroup had a, had a cookout at one of our iGroup here in in Connecticut's uh, brother's house and we played cards and uh, I was the big winner for the evening in, in poker and, and just, you know, having that kind of time with my brothers outside of uh, just the work that we do was really special. So I'm in with that. Thanks, John. For me, uh, I'll start with the high. You know, the high has been the show. One of the things I didn't see about it. So we're, this is our 20th episode is the amount of text messages and emails from people that I know and that I don't know contacting me 
with positive feedback about the show. It's really sweet. I get all these, like the show comes out and then I get this kind of steady stream of people saying they heard it or I'll, I'll see somebody that I know in the community and they'll say, hey, I listened to episode 11. It was phenomenal. So it's just gotten a really nice buzz. Um, the low, my mother-in-law passed away on August 12th and she was this little matriarch of this great family of my wife's everybody was super close to her. And so just dealing with this grief in the family, supporting, you know, my father-in-law, he was married to her for 57 years. You know, this is what we're doing right now. Like all the other projects that we talked about before this get pushed off the plate. You know, we had her memorial last Sunday and then we just were in support mode. And there's also kind of a high in there in that their family deals with things you know, they're really spirited. They can have differences of opinion, but when the chips are down, man, that family just gets their arms around each other. So it's been really beautiful to watch a family get around her dad, lots of tears together. And so it's been a low, tragic thing. And also, you know, I feel really privileged to be part of that family. So I'm in with that. So my first question is around male friendships. Why are they so important? to you as men? And how did getting into the men's work change the landscape of your friendships? Did you have a lot of friends before? Did your friends change once you got into men's work? What was the dynamic? Um, John Triner, how about you? You want to start it off? Yeah, I guess my my friendships, my male friendships before doing men's work seem to be very superficial. And I've learned that I can have an intimate friendship with men with men that do men's work. But not only that, I find that with my male friends that are not involved with men's work, I communicate with them with an open heart and I let myself be vulnerable with them. And I guess through my example, it opens the door for them to be vulnerable as well and to kind of get to that next level of friendship. I don't see them doing it with each other, but they'll do it with me because I guess they see that I allow that. And I'm thinking that they see the benefits of it. So yeah, so my male friendships have blossomed in a way that I never knew was possible. How about you, Wilson? Yeah, so uh, this is a great question because, you know, I had lots of male friends growing up. Um, You know, I was into sports, uh, so I knew the locker room kind of scene, Um, you know, teammates, teamwork, that whole kind of thing. But there was a, you know, it was always kind of a competitive, more superficial, busting each other's chops kind of way about being, you know. And I also had a group of five slash six of us that, that grew up since we were very little, like kindergarten, first grade age, that all went to college together. We all ended up at the University of Colorado. So a lot of times that's where a lot of relationships, you know, after high school, there's some disconnect because people go to different places or not. So we've always remained very close to the five of us. But after I got into men's work and, and other self-help kind of stuff, um, you know, I gravitated towards those people who are looking inside, who are working on themselves like I was, trying to heal, trying to figure things out about why they behaved certain ways. And in a way, I kind of, you know, it's like a fork in the road. Like I started to go down a different path from some of them. We're still close. I mean, in fact, I just talked to a couple of them last night. We were watching a football game in our various locations throughout the United States, but we were watching the Colorado football game. 
and texting and calling each other. But you know, it's like it's like John mentioned, it's not superficial, but it's not deep either. And we've known each other. We have a history that goes so far back. We do say, oh, I love you, man, and all that kind of stuff. But it's not like the brotherhood. It's not like really opening our souls and, and our hearts and really saying, here's what's going on with me the way I can with, with men who've been doing men's work and, and self-improvement kind of work. Th- those relationships are so much tighter. And um, to kind of piggyback on what John said, you know, I brought some of my friends from the outside into this work, some of my closest friends. And the depth of our relationship now, when we ha- whether we hang out you know, at our men's group or outside our men's group, you know, go to coffee, go to dinner. It's all depth. It's right to like, what's going on in your life? Do you need support in something? Or here's what I'm dealing with at home. And, you know, we don't have, we can just cut through all of that. And it's instantaneous because that's the level of connection. And then um, I love what John said about being the model, you know, the example to some of your other friends. I've been that example to some of these other friends of mine, and a couple of them have started to come move closer. In fact, this summer, one of them's going through something with his own child who had to go to like a special school. And he called me up and he said, I just had this incredible meeting with the school, with my son's therapist and all this stuff. And he goes, I get what you've been doing all these years. I finally get it. And he, and he opened up to me in a way he had never had. And this is a 40-year friendship that finally he got to that level. And it's like, great, man. So Yeah, that's okay. great. I mean, my, my take on it, I'm kind of a hybrid with both of you. Like I was an athlete. I always had a lot of friends, no matter whether I was in high school or college. But a lot of it was based on sports and drinking. So I was somebody that was fun to drink with. I could be the life of the party. I like to talk. I like to talk to women, men, everybody, right? And so I, I always had friends, but I always longed to be more authentic and to get underneath it, right? I would say that my friendships widened out. Like when I got into the men's work, all of a sudden I had all these great new friends, all these guys that I was in men's work with. And it felt like those sports connections, but like four layers deeper. Like I could talk about anything with these men. And I sensed that I could with some of my older friends if they could get in. You know, like there's a, there's a heart connection there with my friends from high school, but they're unaccustomed to sort of sharing on the level that we normally do, which is cut to the chase. Like you said, John, just like share what's really going on. Do you need support? What kind of challenges are you facing? What are your high and lows? And then the other thing that I so value about my male friendships is I love my wife and we have a really great marriage. But there's a level of how I unpack with men. Like I can really get into the shadow stuff, right? Like I just think for men that are in this work with your wives or your partners, you know, let's say a man struggling with procrastination, that's his shadow, right? He may not share it with his wife that way because she might just say, you got to get your crap together, right? You got to get it together. There's not an unpacking that's going to help the man really, right? Where if he's in a men's group and he says, look, my shadow is addiction or my shadow is procrastination, he can sit and say, this is what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis or not doing, right? Here's where I'm out of integrity. And he can really unpack that in a way where then he can take it back into his marriage once he understands it better and make that work as well. But sometimes I just think men are more comfortable in their male friendships unpacking, especially the shadow stuff. 
the stuff that they're struggling with, it's just easier for me to speak it to you. And then I can go to Lisa and say, Hey, you know, here's where I'm at. This is why I haven't been talking a lot lately. This is what I'm up against. It just feels familiar telling you men, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> you, na- you nailed it, Tony. I mean, you absolutely nailed it. Uh, yeah, it's, it is easier going to that shadow depth than it is with, say, my wife. Because the women will say, what the hell's the matter with you? Where you guys will go like, tell me more. Come on, what's going on? What's really going on? How do you need support? What do you need to do to get back in integrity, right? What's the deeper fear or the deeper truth? That's the behavior you're procrastinating, but what are you really afraid of? Right, exactly. So in the spirit of what's happened in my life with my mother-in-law, I had recorded a piece on the five regrets of the dying. This is a shifting of the gears from friendships to dying, but both are you know, sort of beautiful themes. I read it in the intro. I came across this five regrets of the dying of a hospice worker who had chronicled as people are at the end of their lives. Number one is I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself and not a life that others expected of me. Number two was I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Number three is I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Number four is I wish I had kept in touch with my friends. And number five is I wish I had let myself be happier. And I'm going to add a sixth one that was my mother-in-law's. Her regret at the end, the, the one thing she said was, I wish I had taken better care of myself. And I think that fits really nicely on this list. So of those six, which do you think you need more awareness or work on so that you don't get to the end and have deep regrets? And I'll model it. The two that I see that stand out for me is, I wish I had kept in touch with my friends. This is one I struggle with is I'm so busy with a family and I know that my friends know that I love them and I'm connected to them, but I have this lurking regret that I'm not as well in touch with some of them as I would like to be. And I would really like as a stretch with you men to, until the next time I'm in a group, which will be in October, I'd like to call one friend a week just to check in. And not always the, the two or three that I check in with, but the others that I know would appreciate a call, they're too busy too. But I think that would go a long ways towards making me feel like I'm letting them know, hey, we're still very connected, even though we haven't spoken in a year or two years. And then the other one is my mother-in-law's. I wish I had taken better care of myself. I think people look at me and they, they think, oh, he's, you know, he's 53 and he's in really good shape. He obviously has a high level of self-care. But there's, there's a part of my self-care that is in the shadows. And that's, I'm really unforgiving to myself when it comes to my shadow behavior, when it comes to like how I am, right? I can be really forgiving to other men and women and say, hey, look, give yourself space. This is a long pattern and you're dealing with it. But with myself, I feel like I can be really hard and not completely compassionate with myself. I can be unkind with the way that I show up sometimes. Because I'm a leader in the men's community, I'm not supposed to trip and stumble or I'm not supposed to have these things that I struggle with. And I can be kind of, I can feel myself being impatient with myself. I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to unpack it rather than unpack it with a forgiving heart towards myself. So I'm in with that. So I feel like uh, the one regret I would have would be what your mother-in-law said. And I, I wish I'd take better care of myself. What you said it really resonates with me because I feel the same way. I'm my own worst critic. I could be extremely compassionate to anybody struggling with the things that I struggle with on a daily basis. But when it comes to me, it's like there's no room for forgiveness. 
I struggle with anxiety and I struggle with depression and self-care is the enemy of that. I'm pretty authentic and open with my friends about pretty much everything in my life. But when it comes to those things, I think I have a lot of shame around it. So it's harder for me to open up about it. I wish it was a little bit easier for me because when I do talk about those things, my friends are you know, my number one fan. They want to see me take care of myself. They want to see me get better mentally, physically. And you know, when I'm healthy, I'm a better friend to them. So that's what I struggle with. That would be my biggest regret. Well, I'm glad I added that one then. When I read the other five, I, I thought to myself, you know, if you would have asked me that question 10 years ago, I probably would have said all five of those resonate with me. Yeah. But through maturity and men's work, I don't have a ton of regrets. But when you just mentioned self-care, that really hit me. And so I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Well, and it'll give us something in the fall to frame our iGroup or our online yeah. group since you and me, it's kind of cooking for both of us. So that's awesome. Wilson, how about you? Yeah. So, wow. Um, I feel pretty much the same way. I looked at these five questions and I've said to myself, you know, I, I feel really grateful. I've been in men's work for over 23 years. I have very few regrets. You know, I changed my life when I, when I was a young man and started to live from, from these things right there. The ability, the courage to express my feelings, being true to myself, not living a life others expected of me. I mean, I you know became a massage therapist, now a social worker. You know, I've kind of gone against the grain of you know what I grew up around, which is you know business people, lawyers, doctors. You know, and it felt good to follow my own path. I keep in touch with my friends. There's there's a few you know when I thought about that. There's a couple out there I wish I was still closer to. Um, I'm pretty happy. In fact, I'm very happy with my life. But that better care has a new twist to it because. You know, in my previous career and in incarnation as a massage therapist and a personal trainer, I took really good care of myself. You know, I was into triathlons for 10 years. At 40, I was in incredibly good shape for, for that age. And since I went back to school at 45, my son got a little bit older, you know, family became more of a priority. My new career became a priority. At 50, I'm not feeling like I did before. And I'm noticing I'm much quicker to eat foods I shouldn't eat. I've put on weight, I'm not working out the way I used to, and I'm less focused on it. You know, I keep saying to myself, uh, you know, like, don't sit down and eat a bag of chips. And there I am sitting on the couch eating a bag of chips. And so that is the one because I, I think about like, if I don't get back to taking care of myself now, what's another 10 years going to look like? Like you're saying, you look pretty good at 53, but, but we know, you know, yeah. we know the, our own little demons and where we let ourselves kind of off the hook. So I want to join your group so I can get back in, <laughs> go back on that track. So here's an admission, John, because you and I have both been body workers, right? Like I was a Rolfer, you were a massage therapist. When I was in my heyday, I was receiving work on a regular basis. Somebody asked me the other day, when's the last time I had a session with somebody? I couldn't remember. It has been maybe eight or 10 years. Like I am embarrassed and stunned because I'm a big believer in body work. I feel like body work, no matter you get somebody with good hands to work with you, it's nooks and crannies of awareness. And I mean, I love getting sessions. I have the money to do it. I have the time. I can find time to help me better my body. I have just been so busy that I have made excuses that, well, I don't have time for that. 
I'm still stunned telling you how long it's been. I'm like, it's embarrassing for somebody who believes in that as a healing modality. And, and I'm an advocate of feeling good for men, yet I have n- myself not received any work. And, and for me, it's like I'm working in not a traditional nine to five for the first time really in my life after being mostly self-employed. I, for at least 12 years, maybe longer, every other Wednesday afternoon was blocked off so I could get a 90-minute session of body work for 12 years. I mean, unbelievable. I've had half a dozen massages in the last five years. Yeah. You know, once every six months, maybe. And feeling those aches and pains like John was talking about with his low back. My low back's a little funky today, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Lastly, um, I like to finish this one with what's one recommendation that you have for men this week? It could be a book, it could be a training, a program, a quote, something for their health, like something that maybe not every man knows about that you're recommending for them. I uh, recently, I love documentaries, and I recently heard about a documentary called The Mask You Live In, and it came out in 2015. It's about Growing up as a boy in our culture and uh, becoming a man, raising boys in our culture and how, I mean, it was sad actually, you know, about how the way that we raise boys, how it leads to like sexism and rape culture and drinking and bullying, mass shootings, drug use, like all sorts of horrible things. But it, it does end on a good note with suggestions about, you know, raising boys and building community and teaching boys to embrace their tender emotions. You know, you don't have to hide those things. It's not, it's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. And I think it empowers, um, it made me kind of feel good that I'm actually doing men's work and trying to um, fix in certain ways the bad things I learned growing up as far as what it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. Great. How about you, John? Yeah, so uh, I'll go the uh, documentary route too. Um, the film The Work, you know, which is about our work in, in the Mankind Project uh, inside Folsom State Prison, doing the work we do with men who are, you know, serving long term prison sentences. And it also ends with two of the men who did the work inside the prison and how they're now living outside in the world again. Um, one of them's become uh, a pretty well-known speaker. Ted talks about his gang life to now the life he's living outside and how much getting into personal development and men's work helped him rehabilitate and acclimate to a life, having a full life outside, not just I'm an ex-con living outside and trying to figure stuff out. Very powerful. It won several awards. Might also give you a taste of, of what we do in the Mankind Project in the new warrior training adventure. That's great. I've seen both documentaries and they're both phenomenal. My recommendation is I have a spiritual teacher. I've had him for the last five years or so. His name's Patrick Connor. It's the Sharmada Foundation. And the website is www.sharmada.org. And he's just a beautiful teacher, really gifted at speaking about the heart, the challenges, uh, communicating with the divine, how to live a divine mission. And some of his retreats are just phenomenal. He did one recently on uh, the divine feminine and the divine masculine, the dance between the two. I get things from his teachings that I don't anywhere else in my life. It, it's kind of this combination of being very fresh, but it also reminds me of something, some inner wisdom that I know. 
And I just really appreciate that. So that's the Sharmada Foundation. So let's finish, guys, with just a, a check out uh, how you're feeling. Any last thing you want to say, I'll model it. Just feel a ton of gratitude to listen to you, man. I always love sitting in a circle with you guys and hearing your voices, hearing your truth. Um, it's an affirmation of this work and my life's path. So thank you so much for all your insights. Just appreciate hearing you and being with you. Thanks, guys. Some of my favorite times spent with you, Tony, are when you're out here visiting New York and you're staying with me and the baseball playoffs are on and we're watching the baseball playoffs and at the same time, getting into really deep conversations and unpacking stuff, you know, the both of us and helping each other out and still being engaged in the game. It's just, uh, it's uh, really authentic and special to me. And I really appreciate that. Thank you, Tony. And uh, I'm checking out with a lot of joy and gratitude. Feel, you know, my heart feels open and warm. It's really good to be with both of you men. It's been a while. Feel a lot of appreciation, Tony, that you've brought me into this. Your podcast is amazing. Um, I'm thrilled to be a part of it in a small way. And uh, next time you're on the East Coast, I know you always tell me when you're coming, but like, yeah, I want to get with you guys uh, next time you're out here. So let's make that happen. Thank you, man. Appreciate both of you. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac and you're listening to Basecamp for Men.